Welcome to I Communicate on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. To join the conversation, call 508-871-7000. Now, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome to I Communicate. It is December 31st. Holy smoke. We're at the end of 2020. And for all our fans out there, I know you guys are really disappointed 2020 is coming to an end. I know it's been a great year for everybody. And so, no, okay. Just just joking. Anyway, listen, it's great to be back here as we have one final show uh, for 2020. And uh, I'm here with my uh, partner in crime, Joe Lyman. Joe, great to have you back yet again. Well, thank you. It's great to be back here. And, you know, it's interesting. The end of the year, as you were mentioning, is its own little world, right? A time of endings, but of course, a time of beginnings. Indeed. Indeed. That's our growth mindset right there, Joe. We love that. (laughs) All right. So today... We thought, what a timely topic to talk about, um, and Mindset goes so much of our teaching to leadership, to salespeople, to front-facing staff, is on being more assertive. And, and when it comes to communication, there's so many different facets to communication, but assertiveness is one of the principal aspects, and it's, it's probably the one that I find most the most people struggle with of all aspects of communication, aside from probably public speaking. But... We're going to talk about the ability to say no, just say no. And for those of you who are as old as Joe and I, you know, we remember the ad campaigns of just say no to drugs. Like that was the, that was the, in school, you know, just say no to drugs. But yeah, just say no to drugs. But most people can't even say no to favors and the foods they don't want to eat. And yeah, we, we have, we have serious psychological problems saying no. And I want to give, I want to give everybody an example because Joe, where I want to start out with today is. I feel like if you went up to a majority of people and say, hey, do you think you have trouble saying no? I think most people would say they don't. I think most people say, no, I can say no if I don't want to do something or I can say no. And I just want to share a 30-second example from last night because I think it depends on what the topic is and what the situation. We all have difficulty saying no to some degree. And last night I was out to dinner with my girlfriend and her parents, had a really nice dinner, and the waiter comes over and, and asks us what we want to drink. And I am not a big drinker. As a matter of fact, if someone told me I could never have a drink for the rest of my life, it, I wouldn't even miss a beat. I'm just not a drinker. But in the presence of my girlfriend, who likes to have a drink here and there, and her parents like to have a drink here and there, I, I felt pressure to order a drink. Not because they made me feel the pressure. They didn't do anything. But just to conform, to fit in in that environment, I felt the pressure and I couldn't say no when the waiter asked me to want a drink and I got a drink. This is this is absolutely vital. In fact, it's such a big deal, this this self-imposed pressure, that if you get a room full of people and there's one test subject in the room and they ask a question, they ask like a quiz question, and everybody else answers the question correctly, and this individual knows the correct answer, he will answer the question correctly. If the rest of the, the, the experimental subject, so to speak, answer the question deliberately wrong, then the test subject will frequently mm. answer the question wrong as well, simply in order to conform and not be the, even though they know they know the right answer, they'll go along with the wrong answer rather than be the odd man out. Yeah, that's fabulous. And so, so before we get to our initial uh, provocative question, I just want to say one other thing on this. So... For those of you out there, we've talked all through 2020 on I Communicate, and Ted, you know we've talked about this. We've talked about choices. 
We all have choices, right? You can make choices. And I can't tell you how many people I interact with on a weekly basis who will say, I have so many meetings to go to. I have so many tasks on my to-do list. I'm working too much. I feel burnt out. I feel tired. I feel overwhelmed. And so the question is, okay, you have a choice. Saying no makes the difference between a packed schedule and an open one, between having too many tasks and just the right amount, between working crazy hours and hitting deadlines without stress. And so when does this start? When do we get to an age where we are able to say no and then all of a sudden it's almost like when babies are crawling and they stand up again, we compliment them for fighting through you know, falling down and standing up again. But then when you fall down as an adult, that's bad. It's bad to fail. So what is it, Joe? When is the time that people start to have really recognize or not recognize the transition of being able to say no? Oh, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think it goes back to our, our earliest days, right? Our ability to fail, right? Our ability to say, I'm not going to participate in this. We get, we get these, these misunderstandings, if you will. For instance, everybody says it's okay to fail. But then what happens when you fail in the workplace? You get punished. What happens when you fail at, at, at a task that your boss has set for you? There's consequences. And so we develop this, this almost innate, it's not, but it, 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 it sort of feels like it, this innate understanding that we shouldn't say no. Your boss comes to you and says, uh, hey, can you get this done for me? And of course, your first instinct is to say, absolutely. But uh, I mean, uh, we could talk about delegation. The real delegation, genuine delegation, involves the ability for the person accepting the delegation to say no. And we don't, we don't do that. We, we, we basically work with dumpagation, particularly in the workplace, and say, you know, when somebody says, hey, can you do this? If it's your boss, you just say yes. And this is a terrible idea. Right. And so let's think about why you feel. Uh, we talked in the, a minute ago about that self-imposed pressure. But let's talk about what are the consequences to saying no. And so where it starts is one of them could be you worry about pleasing people. Or excuse me, you worry about upsetting people and not pleasing people. Second is you look like you can't handle your workload and this is the big one, Joe. The example I'm seeing a lot of is this concept of an open-door policy. And so the open-door policy implies that your door is open, the team that works for you can come into your office anytime they need to, to get your support and guidance and attention. The problem with that is you can have an open-door policy without having an open door, right? You can set boundaries, right? You could close your door and create some communication guidelines for the team that reports to you so they still feel like you're accessible and available, but not randomly coming in all throughout the day and interrupting you and taking you away from the distraction. So, what, Joe, you know, leaders, leaders, I think part of this is guilt. They feel like they have to have an open-door policy because they're not available enough because of their overwhelmed schedule. Thoughts on that? Well, I, I think you're spot on. And part of the problem is that we don't... We don't protect ourselves as leaders. And I, I love the way you put it when you said an open door policy without an open door. What if we said as a leader, if I say to you, hey, guys, I've got an open door policy from 
1.30 to 3.30 in the afternoon, feel free to come in and take my time or send me a, just send me a text and say, hey, need 15 minutes of your time, need 30 minutes, whatever it is. But other than that, please be respectful of my time and I will be respectful of your time. But as you point out, we don't do that. We don't self-assert. Well, we don't self-assert because we don't self-assess. We don't clearly know what we need in terms of boundaries. So how can we possibly tell other people what our boundaries are when we haven't even contemplated them for ourselves on, in our own mind, right? And, and we do that because we want to be—sometimes we do it for good reasons. We really do want to be helpful. But sometimes we do it for bad reasons. We're afraid just to say no and disappoint someone, except that's not actually what happens. Well, and it's a vicious cycle because, again, like we said in the top of the show, it's, it's, just saying no is an act of assertiveness, okay? And so if you're the leader, and one of the things I'm talking about to leaders these days is in these communication guidelines— Create three rules for your team. Rule number one is, I need your help right now or today, okay? Rule number two is, I need your help by the end of the week or in the next two days. And rule number three is, I just need your help. Could you make some time for me, okay? And so if you set those ground rules and set levels of urgency, and we see this, Joe, in IT all the time when IT is supporting a company like you know, red, green, yellow levels of urgency. The same goes for communication. And so you that's saying no. That's setting boundaries and guidelines for yourself and say, please don't come to me in the middle of the day with something you could just email me and we could talk about next week and interrupt my flow and my distraction. And I have to tell you, Joe, you know, when it comes to just saying no, we've talked about attention management, distraction management, time management, and that's one of the central problems people have. And I can tell you, um, working from home. I mean, how often do we hear people who are working from home now who never have before saying, my kids are coming in and distracting me. I I feel bad. I feel guilty. And again, I say, Joe, so much of the problem in saying no is guilt. Oh, absolutely. And And it turns out that guilt, in this case, as in pretty much all cases, is not really a good motivator and is not really a good aspect of our situation to rely upon because it causes us to act out of sync with what we may know to be the correct procedure. I know I should should say no to you, but I feel guilty about it, so I don't. I know I should turn this assignment down, but I feel guilty if I do, so I say yes. Well, and I think I think to build on what Joe's saying, what it comes down to is if you're a mother or father working from home and your kids come walking in your office and you're starting to feel guilty and distracted, here's what it comes down to. What's really going on, the root cause of really is going on in that moment, you don't feel like you spend enough time in the, with your kids in the first place. So right or wrong you have a template of you're feeling guilty because you think you should be spending more time. So the question isn't feeling guilty in that moment when the child comes to interrupt. What needs to happen is a bigger conversation with your children, right, that says, hey, son, hey, daughter, um, I'm feeling guilty because I'm not having enough time to spend with you. Can we talk about that? Because I want to make sure we're spending enough quality time together. You can have that conversation with a 10-year-old. You really can. And so Joe has a thought on this, but we have to go to break. Our uh, My favorite producer is giving me a little signal. So um, we, we'll be back with uh, I Communicate right after this. For Joe Lyman, I'm Mark Altman. Be right back. Hold on.
I Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, so back to I Communicate and just picking up where we left off. Look, leaders are taught that one of your primary functions, if not your absolute primary function, is developing your team, motivating and inspiring your team. And so what does that translate to? That translates into having coaching time with your team. Now, granted, depending on the size of your team, you may be limited in the frequency and duration of that coaching time. But at the end of the day, if you look around, especially since the pandemic started, the thing that seems to fall by the wayside most often is coaching and developmental time because people are barely staying above water doing their own stuff, never mind supporting their team. So then comes in the guilt, right? Because you're reminded every day, God, I should be talking to my team. I should be coaching my team. And so that's what we were talking about before the break, whether it's the guilt of a parent feeling like you're not spending enough time with a child, a leader not spending enough time with your team. Joe, you had some thoughts on that. Well, and I think the guilt becomes the default assumption because it's easier in the end, although guilt is an unpleasant experience, it's actually easier to feel guilty than it is to change your situation. It's easier to say, oh, I didn't spend enough time with my team. Oh, I know I don't spend enough time with my children. Then it is to go, oh, how can I arrange my day in a good way that I have enough time to spend with each teammate, that I have enough time to spend with my family? We, we kind of develop guilt as almost like a fallback position because although we don't like feeling guilty, it's simpler than actually changing our circumstances so that we no longer feel guilty. So, Joe, perfect segue, right? Because you're talking about choices and we're talking about habit and behavior change, right? So, quick quick anecdote. So, last night, I'm playing cards, my kids, and my youngest son, 14, when he plays cards, he doesn't hold his cards up. Everybody can see his cards. And I must have, I, I mean, Joe, if I haven't told that kid 30 times to hold your cards up, and he doesn't do it, right? So... I was talking to my kids last night. I said, listen, you know you're supposed to hold your cards up. You're not doing it, though, right? You're not motivated to do it. You don't understand the consequences of it. And that's where I wanted to go, Joe, right now. For people to change their habits and behaviors, they have to either understand the benefits or they have to understand the consequences if they don't or both. And in the case of not saying no and not creating boundaries for yourself, what do you see, Joe? I mean, what? So what? Hey, I can't say no. What's the big deal? What would you say to someone, Joe? Everybody will like me if I don't say no. Yeah, right. Except you, because you're not going to be able to focus on the things that are purposeful in your situation. Plus, we actually, there's an, there's an additional aspect to consider, is that interruptions, which are, of course, a huge part of our day that people have difficulty saying no to, they always begin with a lie. They always begin with, do you have a minute? And it's not a minute. <laughs> it's never a minute. And when we don't say no, we are basically educating people to continue doing what they've been doing all along, to interrupt us, to take our time in that way. Instead of saying, excuse me, instead of saying, hey, can we work on this in a little bit? I promised myself that I would finish this. Instead of saying, hey, um, is this this critical? Because if it's critical, I'll stop what I'm doing and work with you on this. But if it's not critical, Can we do this differently? Can we have a different setup? And the best part is you can educate people without ever taking them to school, so to speak. 
if, if your employee, if your team member comes to your office and says, hey, do you have a minute? And you say, actually, I don't. If it's not critical, can we get together at 2 o'clock this afternoon? And they say, oh, yeah, sure. And then you ask them, how long will this take? Because they said they just need a minute, but that's clearly not the reality. And they say, oh, it'll take about 20 minutes. Great. Now you've just made an interruption, a scheduled event on your calendar so that you can continue focusing on things that are important to you. Uh, one of the things that, that, that we talk about in time management is that if you make a promise to your boss, you take that very seriously. If you make a promise to your colleague, you take that very seriously. But if you make a promise to yourself, that isn't very serious. So, Joe, with that said, I'm going to ask you a loaded question. Okay. Let's, let's look even deeper. If If you have a lower self-confidence because you're not being good to yourself and you're not setting those boundaries. And you know I'm, I'm being I'm provocative. I don't really believe this, okay? But if you have lower self-confidence, so what? I'm still making the same amount of money. I'm still doing my job. I'm still going home. My family still loves me. So what? Like, How's lower self-confidence really going to affect me? Because it affects how you think about yourself even if you don't consciously know it and that, in that moment. Over time, these are the things that begin to wear on human beings. And we know this. This is one of the factors that leads to stress. When we're not clear about our purpose and we're not clear about our relationship to it, that we're putting in the time necessary. So I say one of my purposes is to be a dad. But it turns out that I'm not really spending as much time in dad world as I anticipated. Over time, the disconnect between what you say you are and will do and what you actually are and do becomes problematic for human beings. Right. And so what Joe's talking about is your mind starts to get different messages because you have lower self-confidence and low self-esteem. And I'm going to give you a very clear, articulate example of, of what we're talking about. So one of the organizations I'm working with right now, uh, one of the leaders came to me and said, you know, I feel like when we're shorthanded, um, my boss always comes to my team for help. There's four teams they could come to, but they always come to my team for help. And I don't think it's fair because we're always the one that have to pick up the slack. We're burnt out. We're overworked, et cetera, et cetera. And, right. and, and if I may, sure. why does your boss always come to your right. team? Exactly. So the point is, so I said, okay, fair enough. So you have a choice. Exactly, Joe. I said, well, why are you enabling this? Why are you letting – you could advocate for yourself and your team and et cetera, et cetera. But the real thing, Joe, I wanted to talk about with this is, see, by not saying no, now you feel taken advantage of. Now you feel manipulated. And now you blame it on the other person because you feel like they keep coming to you even though you've enabled the behavior and the habit. And this is part of the problem with not saying no is you forget that the root cause of this was you couldn't say no, and now it's I feel like I'm being taken advantage of and I feel like I'm being manipulated, and that's what Joe was talking about because that mental strain of the messages your inner voice tells yourself are so toxic. And once you start feeling manipulated and taken advantage of by one person, it's easy to rationalize that behavior with many others. And that's exactly the problem. And, and part, so now you, you hit it perfectly here, I think. You said pretty soon the problem isn't me not saying no. The problem is people asking me if I'll do this. But we forget that when we find ourselves in the middle of cactus that we planted them. 
No one else pushed us into this realm, right? You, you're all boss. You're always asking me and my team <clears throat> to step up because we always say yes to you. And that's not your fault. You've, I've trained you. I've educated you. I've demonstrated the, the, the brilliance of your leadership because every time you say, can you do this? I say yes, and I never say no. All right, so as we head into our next break, I want you to think about this because we're going to pick this up in our next segment. So consequences. We're talking about what are the consequences to not saying no and not being more assertive, okay? Well, the consequences are bad relationships, interferes with your relationships, if you're a leader, it could be up, down, sideways. It could be your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. It could be your kids, your siblings. It doesn't matter. It interferes with the quality of your relationships. But this is the point. If, you, if, I'm, if you're my client and I'm trying to convince you on why not to say no anymore and I say it's going to hurt your relationships, it's too big for me to understand. Like I can't like, okay, it's going to hurt my relationship, but how? How is it going to hurt my relationships? So when we come back for our next segment, we're going to talk about how feeling manipulated or taken advantage of, for example, how that translates to how you communicate with people and how it changes your mood and your energy and your attitude and your confidence in human beings. And you start playing a game of emotional whack-a-mole. Yeah. Oh, love that. Love that. So, all right. So for Joe Lyman and I'm Mark Altman, this has been I Communicate. We'll be back right after this. Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome back to I Communicate, and we're talking about assertiveness, just saying no, and we're even talking about habit and behavior change a little bit. And I want to pick up where we left off. Think of someone in your life, if you're a listener out there, think of someone in your life who you know at some point, friend, family member, who's been a smoker. Okay, so if you know someone who's been a smoker, what do we say to people when we want them to stop smoking? What do we say to motivate people to stop smoking? It's bad for your health. That's what we say. And if you're a smoker, I can't swear on the air. You'd be like, yeah, no, no, you know what, right? No S, right? So the smoker says, no kidding. You're not motivating the smoker. You're not telling them anything they don't know. So the analogy before the break I mentioned is when you tell people the benefit of setting boundaries and being more assertive is improved relationships, that to me is like, okay, I think my relationships are pretty good right now. I don't really think I need to do anything. We talked about when you enable a certain behavior and you start to feel manipulated and taken advantage of, you shift the blame from yourself in enabling the behavior and setting yourself up for success to the person who's asking you to fulfill the favor. Now, let's talk about the consequences of that. Let's go a level deeper, Joe. So now we're talking about, well, what happens when you start to feel manipulated and taken advantage of? passive-aggressive behavior, okay, or aggressive behavior for that matter, right? Absolutely. So now 
I'm not responsible for my behavior, and I have to discover who is. So I start looking externally for the, the answers to questions that are only to be found inside me, right? And so now I can go, oh, yeah, he does that a lot. Yeah, that's, he's responsible for that behavior. And my other manager, she does that. And then, so she's the responsible for that part of my behavior. And pretty soon you've managed to assign responsibility for nearly all of your behavior. The problem is you haven't assigned any of it to you. Well, yeah, and it's a great point, Joe. And hopefully you or Ted can remind me who said this quote, because I've always loved this quote. It was something like, you never want to be the smartest person in the room, or you want to be the dumbest person in the room. Do you guys recognize that quote? I don't know it. Someone, a a great CEO or executive said, you know, you never want to be the smartest person in the room. In other words, put people around you where you can learn and grow and develop, okay? So meanwhile, the point of that question is, a lot of leaders will always say, well, I don't want yes men, right, or yes women. They want people who are going to challenge perspective or challenge innovation or challenge ideas. So the question is, if you're the kind of person that struggles to say no, what sort of person always wants to be told yes? If you have a person in your life where you don't think you can say no to, why is that? Have you had a incident or precedent or pattern with that person where you've tried to say no and they haven't heard you? Or are you imagining a problem that doesn't actually exist? Or have you had an experience with someone else in a similar leadership position who you haven't been able to say no to and you're transferring that same assumption onto this leader? And so I think those are the three questions that what kind of person always wants to be told yes? Is that the kind of person you even want a relationship with? And what are your options to do anything about it? Well, and it it gets to, uh, Steve Jobs said, maybe this was the quote you were thinking of, Steve Jobs said, it makes no sense to hire the smartest people and then tell them what to do. Yeah, that's great, yeah. Yeah, and and but this is kind of what we do, right? We we assign things to other people without, <clears throat> excuse me, without ever understanding what would be best for everybody in, involved in the situation. And the other thing that, you, that as you were talking that struck me is that the only way to begin to understand if that's what I'm doing is self-reflection. And reflection, not easy, right? Reflection takes time, and reflection takes something just as important as time. It takes intention. Self-reflection never happens without you making it happen. It's not like, you know, somebody comes up to you and says, okay, you will now self-reflect for two hours. That doesn't work. The only way we start to consider our own situation is if we decide on purpose, intentionally, to consider our own situation. And this reflection is critical because it's only through our own self-assessment that we begin to understand maybe a little bit why we do what we do and how we can start to change it. All right, so let's take Joe's self-reflection point to a different level. Now, let's talk about stress and anxiety, okay? So if you're the kind of person who, because you have trouble being assertive and setting boundaries, you get anxious and you get stressed out, so what? Lots of us have stress and anxiety. And of course, my daughter, who's a big mental health advocate, will always tell me the difference between being diagnosed with anxiety or depression as opposed to calling yourself anxious or depressed. But with that said, so what? You have anxiety and depression. I can tell you firsthand, during this week, I have felt incredibly anxious and stressed out because I have left some big projects towards the end of the year. They've all come to a head. 
And so what's the consequence of that? Well, I don't know about you, our listeners, but when I get stressed and anguish, uh, anxious, I get a stomach ache. Sometimes I get a headache. I have my energy level drops immensely. I don't love being around people as much as I normally love being around people. So if you're going to self-reflect, geez, I do need to learn how to say no. Right. And right out of the gate, you're, you're behind the eight ball because you said I need to as opposed to I want to. So right out of the way, you're, you're, you're already behind. I want to learn how to say no. Why? Not bad relationships, not improved relationships, because I don't want to get stomach aches, headaches. I don't want to have drops in energy. I don't want to feel disengaged when I'm with people. I don't want my productive my productivity levels to drop at work, et cetera, et cetera. And those are the things you need to self-reflect on, the physical, the emotional, and the mental consequences for lacking assertiveness. Well, and you hit on, I think, a key point here, too is the conversation that we have with ourselves. You said, I need to, as opposed to I will. And and I would say take it even maybe a step further and go to put it in the form of a question. Not what do I need to do? We know what we need to do. But put it into the question, how do I begin to do this? Right? How do I begin to say no? How do I begin to change this? One of the things we know, as, as you already mentioned, is human beings are creatures of habit. And one of the things we know from working with human beings for, you know, thousands of years is that the only thing that replaces an existing habit is a new habit. So instead of saying, I want to do something about this, we change it to a question and we say, what can I do that will help me do that? Because already you're going from a passive perspective to an active one. And you say, hey, I want to quit smoking. What is it about smoking that keeps me active? First question. What is it I can do to change that outcome, right? Habits are reinforced in a circle with a reward and so forth. I mean, we could spend a whole day talking about habits. But so how do I do this differently and better? Right? There aren't many things that I'm 100% certain of, but one of them is this. If we always do what we always did, we will always get what we always got. And as a result, we must change something in order to create a different and better outcome. And that's not always simple because that takes purpose and intention. Well, Joe, I, I, I actually think you hit the nail on the head because I can't tell you how many times in trainings someone will say after a training, well, no, this was a good refresher because I, I knew that already. And so I said, I say to that person, I said, but were you doing it, right? So you knew it. You had the knowledge. Frankly, maybe even you used to do it, right? But you've stopped either doing it at all or consistently. So I want to repeat what Joe said. It is enormous. Not this is what I need to do. How do I begin doing it? Like that is so critical and the biggest takeaway on this show because it's all about the how. Again, that's why, I, that's why I made the analogy about smoking. Yeah, I know it's bad for my health. I know I shouldn't do that. You're not telling someone, help people to know how. Help people execute incremental first or second steps just to get the ball rolling. I mean, it's, it's just a starting point. But how many people listening to this show, when you procrastinate doing something and when you finally sit down and start to doing it, it's easy at that point because you've actually started the process. So now you just roll through it. So getting that starting point, how do I begin, is so critical, Joe. Well, and you're spot on. And you just mentioned procrastination. And that made me think about what, what really is procrastination. It's not doing something with a reason. 
right? Sometimes we say, oh, we always have to have an acceptable reason to procrastinate something. We have to have some way to rationalize it in our mind and say, okay, <clears throat> well, no, I need to do this instead. Well, no, I can get to that later. We never just postpone some things. We create a rationale in our mind, and that gives us a basis for it. But when we recognize that we're just sometimes creating these out of whole cloth, or we're doing something because we feel guilty, or we're doing something for this reason, we have to start to examine our reasons, because in, in the end, we have to start to examine our purpose. Right? Why do I keep doing this? Why do I, why do, I do this at all? Like, take, take a step back and, and ask a bigger question. Why am I coming to work every day? Okay, now I have a good understanding of that. Now I can come up with, with understandings of how to do things better. How can I get better? As opposed to, oh, I think I'd like to someday get a little better, maybe, sort of, if you don't mind. All right. Well, that's a great point, Joe. And, you know, please stay tuned for our final segment because Joe has a phenomenal tip mnemonic he's going to have you remember. So uh, stay tuned for our final segment. For Joe Lyman, I'm Mark Altman. This is I Communicate. We'll see you right after the break. Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome back to our final segment of I Communicate. And uh, listen, I, I teased everybody before the break that Joe Lyman, who is the uh, king of having pearls of wisdom, is uh, he's got another one for you here. He's got a nice acronym. And I have to tell you, Joe, you know, um, you're talking about educating others about your situation, right? Step one, be assertive, be vulnerable, be open, educate others about your situation. So give it to them, Joe. Well, I think one of the big problems that people experience is that we literally don't like to use the word no. It's difficult for us, right? We grow up wanting people to say yes. When the teacher says, does, is, does anybody have any questions? Uh, uh, you don't want to be the one to go like, I have a question, right? You don't want to be the one to be negative. And so maybe a better way than saying no is to offer a couple of thoughts about the situation. So if you come up to me and you say, hey, I'm going to need you to stay late this evening or if you come in and you say, you know, I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday. Yeah, Saturday to finish those TPS reports. Props to anybody who gets the office space re um, reference here. If, if you do that, I need to say no. But I feel uncomfortable just telling you no. So what I suggest instead is, uh, is a, an acronym called USA, which is a statement of understanding, a statement of the situation, and a statement of action. So let me explain. The first one is, hey, I, I un literally, I understand that it's important that we get this work done. Great. I haven't said no yet. <clears throat> Excuse me. But now I'm going to tell you my situation, right? But here's my situation. I promised my son that I would take him to uh, a show that we're going to go to this evening. And as a result, it's not something I can do. Is it possible that I might be able to come in a little early tomorrow and help work on this? Is it possible that somebody else is available to work on this? 
So essentially what I'm doing is I'm saying no, but I'm saying no in a nice way. Now, I don't mean this in any form of passive-aggressive behavior. It is clearly telling you you can't do this. I understand the importance of what you're asking me. My situation is that I am not able to do it. And uh, it's just kind of a little bit of an explanation. So you're not saying no. And then you offer potential alternative actions. So statement of understanding, statement of situation, statement of action. And this way, we at least, first of all, people feel like they're heard, right? Because you're literally acknowledging their, sta- their situation when you say, I understand that this is something that's important, but I'm not able to be the one to do it. Yeah, so Joe, I think it's uh, a fabulous uh, acronym, and I'm going to give our audience a couple of situations so they can apply what Joe just taught. So the the one example, and I find myself actually talking about this quite regularly, is when your boss comes in, let's pretend you're the kind of person where you set a to-do list every morning. So you have your to-do list for the week, for the day, you've got your priorities and marching orders for the week. And then all of a sudden, 2 o'clock on a Tuesday, your boss walks up to you and says, Hey, Mark, I need you to do such and such. And all of a sudden, there's this new thing that needs to be done. And so at that moment, you innately feel like, well, they told me to do it. They're my boss. You know, all right. Well, if that's what needs to be done, I do it. But if you apply what Joe just taught, watch how this translates in that situation. You say to your boss, I understand it's important. Makes a lot of sense to me. And then you say, here's my challenge. When I look at my to-dos that I originally had for the week, I understood my three biggest priorities to be blank, blank, and blank. So with that said, would you still like me to do this or would you like me to focus on that? Because something is not going to be able to get done. And then the boss who has 100 people he or she has to take care of and has priorities their own and they can't remember all the things they told you last week and last month – Now you've given them a picture of, oh, you know what? I forgot you had to do A, B, and C. You know what? Let me go ask someone else to do it. Or you know what? Yeah, throw A to the wayside. That's not so important. Please do what I'm asking you to do. You never said no, right? You educated the person. It's exactly what Joe said. You educated the person of your situation, what you were dealing with in that moment, and the action, you let them make the decision. You basically put it back on them without ever saying no. And Joe, I think that example really illustrates what you're talking about. Well, and not only that, but think about this in terms of over time, right? Over time, your boss comes to you and says, on Tuesday afternoon, every Tuesday afternoon at 2 o'clock, for whatever reason, your boss walks in and decides to blow up your week. And you, in turn, just use USA, and you say, hey, uh, I'm, I'm working on A, B, and C. What would you like me to focus on? So what's going to happen is your boss is a smart guy or gal. So over time, they're going to recognize that they don't always know 100% about your schedule. And instead of coming in on Tuesday afternoon and blowing up your week, they're going to come in on Tuesday afternoon after three or four times of this, and they're going to go, hey, do you have time? Because they're going to, they're going to see that you respect your time and theirs. And that's the education element of this whole picture. Yeah, Joe, it's a great point. You just made me realize that by being assertive in setting boundaries, it's a form of influence, right? And it's a form of motivating behavior change because I so agree with you. By the third or fourth time, the question will be – it will be reframed to a question from a statement. So that's a great point. 
And the same thing with, with when your team members come to you. You keep an open door. They walk into your office and they say, hey, do you have time for this? And you say no, and you turn it into a scheduled appointment. After several times of doing that, they're going to stop coming to your door, but in a good way. They're just going to sit at their desk and they're going to send you a text or an email and they're going to say, hey, I need 20 minutes of your time in the next couple days. What works for you? Or if you've got it set up where people can just see that you have a block of 30 minutes on your calendar, they're just going to fill in that block. So you're essentially what you're doing is you're saving them time, you're saving yourself the difficulty of saying no, and you're actually streamlining the process of how you put forth your boundaries in a very clear and positive way. People tend to think that boundaries are negative. Boundaries are not negative. Boundaries are positive reinforcement for, for beneficial activity. Yeah, now the one thing that Joe said that I really want to touch on in this last example is the action part. Because Joe talked about posing an alternative. And that, I think, is the trickiest part of saying no, is this temptation to kind of say no, but still throw out an alternative and say, you know what, okay, I can't do it today, but yeah, I could do it tomorrow, when you really haven't totally fixed your overwhelm or boundary issues because you're kind of couching it by still being willing to do it. And I'm going to give you an example. This is such a common example. So let's say you're asked to attend a meeting, okay? And we all have meeting fatigue right now. Like everybody's feeling like the Zoom and the meeting fatigue and so on. So you're asked to attend a meeting at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So this is, this is some options of conversation intelligence. We know Mindset Go is really big on teaching how to prepare execute and debrief from important conversations and interactions, right? So option one, you know what? I saw the meeting. You call the person on the phone. I saw the meeting invite. I appreciate the notice that it's happening, but someone else will be representing our team. So you're acknowledging, just like I understand the situation. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's the action that's going to take place, or here's the education aspect. Or how about this with no alternative? Thanks so much for the invite, but I already have another commitment at that time. And that is huge. Right there, you just set a perfectly reasonable boundary. And you did it in a proactive way. You did it in a very positive way. And you did it such that it's got literally nothing to do with the other person. You're not saying no to cause them pain or aggravation. You're saying no because it's the answer that's necessary and vital for you. Yeah, and how about this as a final thought for today, right? How about you didn't actually technically have a commitment and you say, thanks so much for the meet- for the invite, but I've already had three meetings scheduled today and I need a break from meetings to take care of my team, to take care of my clients, to take care of my mental health, Right? So this is the thing. You don't actually have to have a tangible commitment already scheduled. You have a commitment to yourself. Joe said earlier in the show, you got to take care of yourself. You have a commitment to your team, yourself, your clients, your mental and emotional health, your physical health. All those are just as important, if not more important, commitments. And as people go into the new year, the only way you can help anybody else who needs your assistance is if you have surplus. If you haven't taken care of yourself in the beginning, what is it you have to offer the people who come to you? That's true. So, all right. So, uh, you know, final thoughts for today are assertiveness. Start asking yourself, how assertive are you in the various relations of, uh, of your life? And if you'd like to talk more to Mindset Go about training, 
or coaching or consulting on emotional or conversational intelligence, 978-793-1159, info at mindsetgo.com. Joe, thanks again for being on the show. What a pleasure. Thank you so much. Ted, thanks for being awesome. I'm Mark Altman for iCommunicate. We'll see you next time. listening to I Communicate with your host, Mark Altman. Join us again each week at this time on Full Service Radio, WCRN.